0: Giving or defensive syllable that I utter about Will Craig's massive brain cramp earlier this season will be the first. So please take it in context when I say that the New York Mets outdid him in every conceivable way yesterday at PNC Park. Good morning to you. Good Monday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Pirates. Comes your way bright and early every weekday morning. If you're into football and or hockey, I also offer up daily shots of Steelers and Penguins. Right where you found this, the Pirates had a sweep. Like, just sitting there for them on a tee all day long yesterday. And still somehow let it slip away. Wasting a six-nothing first inning lead by doing absolutely nothing to add on to it, especially that sixth inning, bases-loaded fiasco where Adam Fraser, Wilmer Defoe, and Brian Reynolds of all people, of all people, the Pirates' two best hitters and their hottest, all striking out in rapid succession, uh, just an. Ugly, ugly scene, and then Richard Rodriguez, in a great rarity, gives up the two-run homer to Michael Conforto in the ninth inning, and that was the end of that. And really, you know, the most unsettling thing through this whole game for me, covering it from the press box, was trying to decipher whether the baseball gods would punish the Pirates for not adding on, and they almost always do. They're just terrible about that. Or if they would just say, you know what, I'm sorry. The Mets, what they did in the first inning was so awful that no amount of awfulness by the home team will supersede it. Well, the baseball gods really hate adding on a lot more than they hate. The worst play I think I've ever seen. (laughs) And if that sounds over the top, you know what? Maybe it is. But I'd heard it countless times regarding the Craig play. And that was actually one of the kinder things that I'd heard about it. For anybody who missed it, the Pirates had bases loaded. Kevin Newman was up, so you knew that there was going to be a soft ground ball coming somewhere. And sure enough, he basically rams one into the ground right in front of him, three mile an hour exit velocity, zero percent launch angle, and it first kind of skips foul into the dirt going up the third baseline, and then it starts creeping back in toward the chalk, and you always have to guard against that. If you're a player, you want to make sure that that thing goes foul and stays foul, but you'd Better be sure it's foul. Taiwan Walker, the Mets' starting pitcher, though not for long, got over there in a hurry, and when he saw the ball starting to come back, he hesitated a moment, then put his glove down, and then emphatically flipped the ball using his glove in the direction of the Pirates' dugout. This is not smart. Yes, you've seen players do this, but also it's not smart. This is not what they teach you to do. It's not what the Mets teach their players to do. Flicks the ball toward the dugout. Most unluckily, the thing does not go out of play. Hits off a railing, stays in what is considered to be playable territory at PNC Park. And rather than doing something about it, he and his catcher and his third baseman basically just look at the umpire and yell at him and keep yelling at him. And while this is going on, all three of the Pirates, who are on the base paths, keep running. Even Michael Perez, the backup catcher with all that speed on first base, had the time to cover the final 270 feet to score. Until Walker finally thought it would be a good idea to go over and pick up the ball that was about ooh, 25, 30 feet away from him. By that time, the Pirates had all their runs, and it was 6 to nothing. The manager, Luis Rojas, comes flying out of the New York dugout, freaking out on the up, even though he knows it was fair. He knows the ball was fair. Replays are conclusive on this. There were some New York fans who were questioning that, on social media because they apparently don't understand that a ball being on the chalk is in fair territory, maybe confusing it with football, where if you're stepping on the white stripe of the sidelines, you're out of bounds. Rojas, losing his mind, bumps the home plate umpire, bumps the crew chief when the crew chief comes in to try to settle him down, he's going to get suspended. He's going to have earned that suspension. Why is he doing that? He's trying to spare, in particular, his pitcher, but all of his players on the field, from the embarrassment of having just partaken in the dumbest thing you've ever seen on a baseball field. This portion of Daily Shot of Pirates is brought to you by North Shore Tavern, located directly across Federal Street from PNC Park. Home of Steak on a Stone. Home to the planet's only fully dedicated Pittsburgh Baseball Club sports bar. And you should know, with the Pirates going on the road this week to Phoenix and to San Francisco, they're open for business and they've got their TVs on. And if you want to watch these games with some friends of yours, come on down. Come on down. Be Be surrounded by like-minded citizens, North Shore Tavern, directly across Federal Street from PNC Park. What makes this dumber than the Will Craig play? I don't even know where to start. I mean, you can go with the easy one that the Will Craig play cost the Pirates one run, and this was three, and it was deliberate. That's the part of it that really stands out. You can try to defend Walker based on, oh, he was just taking every precaution that he could to make sure that the ball didn't come back in bounce. All you have to do is pick it up. All you do is pick it up and then ask the umpire or look at the umpire and see if it's fair or foul. Here's JT Brubaker, the, the Pirates pitcher yesterday talking about the way he's been taught to handle such a sequence. Um, Really? Once I saw the umpire po- point fair, um, I guess ever since, uh, I guess, college, um, I was always told don't, don't flip the ball. Don't flip it. Um, just pick it up and then see what the umpire's choice is. As soon as he flipped it and I saw it, I just pointed that it stayed in play and uh, saw that they were arguing, so just watched them run around the bases. Uh, I mean, just trying to let them know that it stayed in play and just keep running. That's it, man. You pick it up and you find out. Worst case scenario, one run scored, you know? Or better yet, don't pick it up or see if it's going to roll out because the ball was already uh, showing plenty of English. It could have shown some more going further up the baseline. But you don't just flick it out demonstratively like to make some kind of weirdo point. You know, like a a slam dunk or something. What was that supposed to be? Look, there's not a lot to give Craig credit for on his thing, but at least he didn't magnify it. Once he realized he'd messed up, he'd messed up. That was the end of it. These three guys, and I'm only loosely including the third baseman. It was mostly the pitcher and the catcher just stood there. They just froze while runners are coming around the bases. And the umpire is standing there, first of all, emphatically motioning with his right arm that the ball is fair. To make sure there's no confusion. Then the umpire, as you heard Brubaker point out, smartly and appropriately backed off to make sure that he could now call plays at the plate. he did that. And he called people safe. Called the first guy safe. Called the second guy safe. Called Perez safe. It was hilarious. This is worth all of the ridicule that Craig got times 10. But you know what? That won't happen. Why? Because one of these is a New York team. And the other one is a team. It's based in Pittsburgh in a league with an unfair economic structure. What's that have to do with anything? Actually, it has plenty to do with it. Because the Mets and the Yankees are always going to be among the chosen in baseball. Because they're in the big markets, they can spend lots of money, they have the higher-profile players. If they want to get Francisco Lindor from the Indians, they go and they get Francisco Lindor from the Indians. Why? Not because the Indians are cheap, but because there's no salary cap. Simple as that. There isn't anything to stop them. And as a result, when people see a play like this, yeah, they'll make fun of the Mets. I mean, they're going to show the play on highlights for like half of a cycle. You won't see it on the morning shows the next day the way you did with Will Craig. You won't see it go viral or explode on the internet the way it did with Craig. Why? Because the Pirates are a known punchline. Have they deserved some of that over the years? Absolutely. Absolutely. Is there an awareness at all about the economic imbalance or what causes teams like the Pirates and the Reds and so forth all around baseball to not be able to compete on a regular basis? Nope. Nope. Jeff Passan, lead baseball writer, ESPN, tweeted shortly after the game, That's just the Pirates being the Pirates, referring to the blown lead. New York-based guy. That's how they think. That's just how they think. The Pirates had just spent the week pretty much humiliating the Mets. But the first moment something went wrong for the Pirates, everyone waited eagerly for the first chance to make them the punchline again. Look, I'm not suggesting there's anything anybody can do about it. Nor am I suggesting that a salary cap is in the offing and you're going to see the Pirates someday get respected the same way the Steelers and the Penguins do in their cap leagues. But my goodness, even with something like this, even with something like this, everyone's way more comfortable turning the Pirates and Will Craig into the punchline than they will be with what the Mets did yesterday. And I'll say it again, those two plays, in terms of their grossness, were not close. We saw the worst one yesterday. When we come back, just one question. It's time for just one question, and that comes today from Brett, who asks, do you think the Pirates will push to re-sign, or will they be able to retain in any form Ben Gamble for next season? Well, I I would certainly hope so, but I wouldn't make it any kind of top priority. I I know that uh, the Pirates people are speaking very highly not only of what he's been able to do since being in Pittsburgh, but also how strongly they feel about how sustainable it is. They felt that this is what he should have been doing. So when he first got here and struggled a little bit, uh, I think a lot of us, and I'm no exception, were guilty of attaching him to all the previous DFA failures that had come along at the corner outfield spots. You know what I mean? Like, when you're watching the right fielder or the left fielder just constantly stink, they can kind of blur together, even if they change. So that Anthony Alford becomes Dustin Fowler, becomes Kai Tom, becomes, I'm probably forgetting, about seven guys they've tried out there, all of whom were terrible until Gamel. Gamble comes along, and he looks like an actual ball player. You know, he hasn't been a superstar, but he's done the job, and he's hustled, and he's shown some fire, and he comes with pedigree. This is a guy who's done it before. Whether or not he can become some kind of component to what the Pirates are putting together, that's a lot harder to say. Because the truth is he profiles best as a 4 or a 5 in a normal outfield. The problem is the Pirates don't have a normal outfield right now. They're still playing Gregory Polanco for crying out loud, and all he's doing is hurting them again and again and again, including yesterday with that terrible throw to the infield that cost directly a run that put New York within 6-5. It's not a normal situation out there. And, and no, you can't just say, oh, play the kids, put Jared Olive out there, because Olive hasn't shown anything. And you can't say, get Rodolfo Castro up here, because he'd never played above double A other than his two cameos in Pittsburgh. And that's not fair to him. He's 22 years old. I think the Pirates did the right move by sending him back, but not to Altoona, to Indianapolis. in the interim, what what are you going to do between now and when the Pirates actually have outfielders out there? Yeah, Gamble looks like somebody who can help. Here's a, another way of looking at it, though. You know, when Colin Moran comes back from his injury, John Nagowski's going to have to bump around someone and you aren't taking him out of the lineup. He's coming up with two or three hits a day. A day! I don't even know what positions that guy can play. I suppose I should. I'm going to have to dig deep into my Memphis Redbirds history, but my answer to you, Brett, is that I, I think that Gamble easily can be re-signed. Uh, whether or not he fits with the Pirates' plans into 2022 or even beyond is a lot harder to say because, again, it's just not optimal. What you really want is to have Reynolds—well, you, what you really want is to have Reynolds in left, but if Reynolds is in center— what you want are people who are part of the process, part of the future, surrounding it. Problem is, they don't yet exist. I appreciate the question, I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Pirates. We'll do another one this tomorrow.